Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Monday, December 6th. Today on the show, the Predators pick up two big points before heading out on the road. We've got some big non-conference wins for the SEC in college basketball. How on earth did Alabama pull the upset on Georgia in the SEC championship game? But we begin with the four teams that get into the college football playoff and what it means for the tournament for the national championship. If you own a home and you are thinking about doing some large work on that home, which is going to cost you a whole lot of money, why would you not do it with the best possible company in Nashville with the most trustworthy process, someone who's locally owned and award-winning? Well, that is the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Have a conversation with them and plan out this process for your house. Even if you don't use them, you will benefit, I promise. BuildKG.com is the website. And remember the name, the Kingston Group. The college football playoff is set. And frankly, after Saturday's drama, it was a pretty clear top four. Number one Alabama will face number four Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl in one semifinal on New Year's Eve, while number two Michigan will face number three Georgia in the Orange Bowl on the other semifinal, also, of course, on New Year's Eve. It's Alabama's seventh trip to the playoff in eight years. It's Georgia's second trip to the tournament, Michigan's first appearance, and Cincinnati, of course, made history by becoming the first group of five team to ever get into the playoff. Georgia is also the fifth non-champion to make the playoff in the event's eight seasons, so the non-champions making it into the playoff are becoming more regular. And while it's incredibly stupid to play college football playoff games on New Year's Eve, the committee did a near-perfect job of setting up the tournament this year. With Oklahoma State losing on the final play of the game by inches to Baylor in the Big 12 title game, and then Alabama pulling a shocking upset of the Bulldogs, the committee's job was clarified. These four teams had clearly separated themselves by the end of championship Saturday, and all the committee had to do was shuffle the order. Could we debate Michigan versus Georgia at 2-3? and three? Sure, but to what end? To change the color of the uniforms? That's really all that's at stake when deciding who should be 2 or 3. The bigger debate is who should be number one, and while some will argue Michigan belongs at number one, certainly they'd prefer to face Cincinnati in the first round than Georgia, I simply cannot find a metric that makes the case for the Wolverines over the Crimson Tide. Alabama had better wins, played a tougher schedule, beat more top 40 teams, is better statistically, has better talent, a better coach, the best quarterback in America, and oh, by the way, the eye test tells me that as well. I just don't see the argument for Michigan to be number one. So in my eyes, the committee got it absolutely right and got it right pretty easily and with very little controversy. Alabama opened as a 13.5-point favorite over the Bearcats, and Georgia opens as a 7.5-point favorite over the Wolverines. And my initial predictions are pretty clear. The rematch is coming in the national title game between Georgia and Alabama. I cannot make any case for Cincinnati to beat Bama. And be careful what you wish for, group of five. Here's your chance. You finally got in, and now you got to face Bama. And although Cincinnati's got some NFL players at key positions like, say, cornerback to match up with Jamison Williams, for example, I just don't see how they can beat Alabama. So I've got the Crimson Tide, and I'm laying the points. Michigan is very similar to Georgia and how they are constructed and their core philosophies. Physical, line-of-scrimmage football teams that want to dominate in the trenches, run the football with head coaches who are, let's be honest, a little weird, but both very good. Georgia's just a little bit better at every single position group on the field. So I'm picking a rematch, Georgia versus Bama. And it won't just be a rematch of this year's SEC title game, but also the 2017 National Championship game, the 2018 SEC title game, in which, of course, Nick Saban has won all of these meetings with Kirby Smart. 
And for those of you who want expansion of the playoff, an all-SEC rematch would not only be probably the best two teams in America playing for the national championship, but also the fastest way that the rest of college football would move to expand the field. It's literally what happened when Alabama and LSU rematched in the BCS title game back in 2011. I am guessing that the same thing happens here as well should Georgia and Alabama reach the national title and rematch. Now, let's get to exactly how Alabama finished the season as the number one team in the nation and with their seventh SEC championship in the last nine seasons. Well, first and foremost, I would like to apologize to everyone. My wife, my children, my in-laws, my dog Henry, uh, all Georgia fans for gambling on the dogs. I was dead wrong about the game, but also lost money on Georgia. I, I guess I should have known better than to bet on a Georgia team in a big game against Nick Saban. Bryce Young is arguably the nation's best offensive player. He finished with an SEC championship game record, 421 yards passing, and four total touchdowns against what is the best college defense we have seen in three decades. He earned MVP honors and might have won the Heisman Trophy in the process. In particular, a 24-point second quarter, which was more points in one quarter than Georgia had allowed at any point during the season in an entire game. Georgia had been allowing 231 yards of offense and seven points per game. Bama roasted Kirby Smart's defense for 41 points and 536 yards of offense. Will Anderson is arguably the nation's best defensive player, and he finished with six tackles, two tackles for loss, and one really big sack. He leads the nation in sacks at 15 and a half, an absurd 31 and a half tackles for loss, and finished in the top 10 in SEC with 91 overall tackles. Uh, this would be called a Heisman Trophy foreshadowing in my book, in case you were wondering where my mind might be as I cast my ballot on Sunday. Frankly, Saturday was the latest example of Georgia and, more pointedly, Kirby Smart's inability to get over the Bama hump. And while Stetson Bennett finished with 340 yards and three touchdowns, he also threw two critical interceptions, and speculation about backup JT Daniels will run rampant for the next month leading up into the playoff. The bad news for Georgia is that Bama and Saban still owns them, and that the path to a national championship still goes through Nick Saban and Alabama. This was a complete dismantling on both sides, and it cost the Dogs an SEC championship, a perfect season, and the one seed. The good news is that Smart's Bulldogs are a heavy favorite to win the semifinal matchup, and could easily get another crack at Alabama. And to top it all off, more importantly, Smart has shown us recently that not only are his teams very competitive with Alabama, but also that he is excellent at making adjustments in rematches. His 2017 SEC title team was manhandled by Auburn at the end of the regular season and came back a couple of weeks later and destroyed that same Auburn team en route to the national championship game. People don't like rematches in college football for some strange reason, I guess, despite getting them in basically almost every other major sport in America. But the facts remain. The best national title game would be a likely rematch between Alabama and Georgia. And that's definitely what I'm picking to happen on New Year's Eve. Let's just all hope that the games are competitive, we get excellent drama, and it doesn't ruin our New Year's Eve celebrations. The way Alabama just ruined Kirby Smart's Christmas. After a loss on Thursday night to Boston at home 2 to nothing, the Nashville Predators picked up a critical two points in a 4-3 overtime win over Montreal on Saturday. Philip Forsberg and Mikhail Granlund continued their hot play as Forsberg scored the game winner in overtime off, that's right, Mikhail Granlund's team-leading 21st assist. 
Roman Yossi was involved in that play as well. A few important things to note about the outcome. The Preds held a 1-0 lead after the first period, and Nashville is now 9-0 when leading after one period, which means they're great at holding leads. Although, they did trail a couple of times on Saturday. Luke Cunnan posted the old Gordie Howe hat trick on his birthday, which is a critical goal, one that tied the game up at three in the third period, an assist, and a fight, of course. The old hat trick by Gordie Howe. Ellie Tolvanen snapped his 22-game scoring drought, which should be a sign of life for the talented youngster. Both Cunnan and Tolvanen skated with Ryan Johansson and have started to come to life of late after slow starts to the season. Tanner Janot scored his sixth of the season. The Predators made a critical penalty kill and came from behind twice to win the game, all of which are good things and good signs. However, the context is important as well. It all happened against one of the worst teams in the NHL at home after being shut out by the Bruins on Thursday. The win continues an eight-game stretch of alternating wins and losses. The Preds are now 13-10-1 on the season with a 4-1 record in overtime and will have to play 10 of the next 13 games away from home. For a team that is likely to hang around the playoff bubble line for most of the season, every stretch is critical and the month of December will be massive in determining the trajectory of this franchise as it heads into the new year. They needed to stack points in their six home games over the last two weeks and they did an okay job going 4-2 in that stretch, but it could have been better. The Predators will head out on a four-game road stretch this week, playing at Detroit on Tuesday with puck drop at 6 p.m. before three games in four days against the Islanders on Thursday, the Devils on Friday, and the Rangers on Sunday. For the best Nashville Predators coverage anywhere in the world, make sure you're tuned in to the Gold Standard Podcast featuring the Athletics' Adam Vingan out every single Thursday right here on the 440 Sports Network. Saturday wasn't just a huge day for Alabama football, but Bama hoops as well. The 16th-ranked Crimson Tide beat number 3 Gonzaga in Seattle to put a marquee win on their resume. Bama is now 7-1 as Jaden Shackelford scored 28 points in the victory. Tennessee won its fourth straight game with a solid road victory over Colorado on Saturday behind 27 points from freshman phenom Kennedy Chandler. Ole Miss moved to 6-2 on the season and ended a rough week for number 18 Memphis with an impressive 67-63 win over the Tigers. Memphis went 0-2 against the SEC this week with losses to unranked Georgia and unranked Ole Miss. Lastly, Jerry Stackhouse's Vanderbilt Bunch lost their second game of the season, falling 84-72 to SMU on the road on Saturday. What does all this mean? Well, it's hard to tell in the middle of December, but the SEC is more talented and better coached and better suited to attack March than it's ever been before, at least in recent memory, and adding marquee wins to any team in the league's resume actually will help everyone else, Tennessee and Arkansas and Florida. You know, all these marquee non-conference wins, all it does is help bolster the entire conference come Selection Sunday. So this is good news to see Alabama beat a team like Gonzaga. It's good news for everyone else in the conference because it boosts everybody's resume. The 440, of course, is brought to you by the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned, award-winning, custom home and remodeling firm. If you're going to make a huge decision about your house, it's an obvious choice. Trust the process, as Saban says, which may or may not work for him this week. Go to the website, buildkg.com, check out their work, and remember the name, the Kingston Group. That's buildkg.com. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.